Hello, all of you Bulletproof Marketer fans out there. It's your host, Christopher Tompkins, and you are listening to one of our classic BPM episodes. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Social Marketing Academy. Uh, I'm your host, Christopher Tompkins from the Go Agency, digital marketing specialists. We have a wonderful show today. Um, I have another one of my exclusive PR experts. I have Emily from Mugsy PR with me today, and she is going to answer some of the questions that you have sent through to us. So I'll tell you more about Emily and Mugsy in just a few, in just a minute or so, um, and about the rest of the show. But again, I want to kind of just present what we're going to be doing in the Social Marketing Academy. In each one of our episodes, I'm going to bring you one of the experts in my network, someone that I go to for advice and um, when we're collaborating on clients and campaigns in the digital marketing world, online and offline, actually. And uh, so a lot of these guests have come through suggestions from the audience of different topics that they would like to learn more about, whether it be um, PR like today or SEO or website design or affiliate marketing. We're covering all of these things. So if there's any topics that you would like to hear me cover or find an expert for me to interview on a show or have a suggestion, please reach out to me directly. You can go to the Go Agency's website. It's gosalesandmarketing.com gosalesandmarketing.com. And there we have um, a contact form right on our website that you can fill out with it if you want to be a guest or you have a show suggestion of a topic that you'd like to learn a little bit more about. Look at this as uh, 45 minutes to an hour of free consulting on the topic of your choice. These people are experts. So we're not, we're not, this isn't a sales pitch, folks. This is to help you get better at marketing your own businesses. No matter, no matter if you are small, medium, large, national, international, local, we are going to cover all the topics that are going to be most important to you. So please let me know. While you're on the website, we do have an e-course that's on offer right now. It pops up, just sign up, and you'll get seven days of free e-course, as well as our blog has some wonderful information as well. We do have a show page for the Social Marketing Academy on gosalesandmarketing.com as well. So please take a look at that. You can watch any of our previous shows because all of them are videoed. And we also have our podcast channels on everywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Livercast, whatever, Stitcher. So subscribe and you will learn more about us. So let's get into today's show. PR, 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 PR. PR is something that um, is extremely important and something that a lot of people still find as a, oh, I don't know, just kind of like a secret. Like it's a secret society that they're not let in on. And it, is it just press releases? Is it just like going on TV and being interviewed? How does this even happen? Well, Emily um, Taffel-Cohen is one of my friends. We've worked together on many clients in the past. And I wanted to bring her on because she is a, she's, a, she's a terrific expert. Here's some information about her. She's the founder of Muggsy PR, which I mentioned already, and which is an award-winning PR marketing firm based out of South Florida. So she's also in Florida like I am. Um, she's also a public speaker and author with an upcoming children's book releasing in 2021. Oh, I would have to ask her about that. Um, an event planner a feminist advocate and a road trip enthusiast. Um, she has an upcoming blog about her adventures as well. So we'll have to look out to that. And um, 
she is uh, going to be covering lots of the questions that you have posed specifically dealing with PR. Um, and I know that it's, it's, a, it's a big subject, so um, I'm going to bring on Emily, and here she is. Emily, welcome to the Social Marketing Academy. Hello, thank you for having me here today. Yeah, no problem. I was just, um, I was just uh, kind of introducing you to our, our audience, um, but before I, I get you to introduce as well, you have a children's book coming out? I do. I uh, have a children's book coming out in just a couple of months here, and I'm quite excited about it. It's entitled Don't Limit Me on What I Can Be, and it is a rhyming ABC book for children that talks about alternative careers that they may not already know about. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, and of course, publicist is one of the careers in it because nobody knows what public relations actually is. So I feel like we need to get children knowledgeable about these things when they're young too. No, no, I completely agree. I agree with you. Um, so Emily, can you kind of just say a few words about yourself to introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. So as I'm sure you know, as you mentioned, I am the owner founder of Mugsy PR. We're a full scale marketing PR um, brand experience firm. Um, I'm also I work with my husband. He's our creative director here at Muggsy. I'm a stepmom of four. I write children's books. I do public speaking. I do local performance. I do all kinds of different things. Jill of all trades, but um, my specialty is in public relations, and I've been doing that for about 20 years now. Yeah, and that and and, and that experience is gonna, we're going to be seeing in today's episode because the audience has posed some interesting questions. And it's funny because some of the some of the questions that we've we've had um, other um, PR firms and uh, PR people from my network on the show previously, and it's interesting that um, different questions are always posed, and it just it kind of like something I said before I I, I kind of um, welcomed you in, is that um, PR is like one of those mysteries to businesses. <laughs> I mean, social media gets so much press that it's mm -hmm. kind of, it's everyone kind of feels like they're a little bit more close to it. Like I can have a Facebook account. Um, I can have a Twitter account, an Instagram account. But with PR, it's kind of like, oh, is it, is it just press releases? So one question for you, let's start off with this. Simplistic, right? What is public relations? So I always say, I mean, there's a lot of definitions for public relations. I always say it's literally any component of what gets your, brand or your, you know, your service, your product, your idea noticed by other people, it tells your story. So it is a way of controlling your narrative about your brand and pushing that out into the press and into the public eye. And in your kind of, in your experience, obviously you have 20 years. Um, why don't you feel that companies understand what PR is? Um, well, number one, because PR keeps changing and it changes literally on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Um, and it encompasses a lot of different components. So everything from a corporate message that you might send out uh, to your entire, to your employees or to your company base, um, out to, again, a press release or a pitch to the media or a publicity stunt, an event that we put on, all of these different pieces, even social media nowadays, are all interconnected with PR. So I think it's just become sort of this mysterious thing because there's so many little pieces to it and it's always behind the scenes. You know, we're not usually the ones other than podcasts or interviews like this where we're talking about what it is we do. We're promoting what other people do. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. until you've actually worked with a publicist or a firm, um, 
I, I think you just sort of have a, a preconceived television or movie type of notion of what PR actually is. And it's definitely not correct. And so, you know, I, I do think that's, that's a big piece of it. And so I, I understand this completely because when people come to uh, come to my agency, the Go Agency, for maybe for mm-hmm. social media help in particular, um, there's so many preconceived notions of what you're going to get about social media as what you what you're reading in the news or what you're seeing. And a lot of people right now, there's lots of privacy concerns and all of that type of thing. How do you get a client that comes to you that knows that they need PR because they've either been told that they need to do PR? or they kind of have a feeling they're compelled to come towards you for PR, how do you get them to understand the process? That it's not just, I'm going to click a button and then boom, I'm on Oprah, boom, I'm on the Today Show. That's (laughs) what everybody wants, right? Absolutely. That is the first thing you always get is, you know, I have this, I have this brand new uh, startup company and I want it to be written about in Forbes magazine. And you're like, okay, well, there's about 5,000 steps in between what you just said and getting into Forbes, but yes, let's make this happen. So um, how do I get them to explain? I I really say my first step always is listening. So we really sit down and listen to what it is that they want, listen to what their goals are, because yes, your goal is, let's say Forbes, but that's not really your goal. Your goal is to get in touch with these certain people that you believe read Forbes or make sales, which is a big notion that we can talk about as well stereotypes is how much PR plays into the sales process and such. Um, But we sit with them and we listen to what they need and we listen to their story. And I really stress that because PR nowadays comes down to the same thing as marketing, social media marketing, anything else, you have to humanize a brand. So we listen to their story, we go through, we have an onboarding form that is comprehensive as can be, and we have a lot of conversations. And then we we talk to them about a custom, because everything from us is custom. Yep. So it's a custom yep. package of what, what kind of PR do you really need? Do we need to start internally and really work with your employees so that when the news gets out, your team can handle all, you know, what comes from that press first and foremost? Mm-hmm. Or are you at a point internally where you are ready to see this go forward and really get that massive press? And in that case, then here's the next steps for that. And so, um, yeah, our big thing really upfront is really consultation. Mm-hmm. analyzing what's already going on with the brand and making sure that they, we have a lot of people who come to us that we say, you're not ready for PR. Mm-hmm. You know, that you have all these steps ahead of us and we're not the right firm for you right now, but let us, you know, refer you to somebody who can get you to the point where you can come back to us and we'd be happy to help. Um, and, and, yeah. that's, and that's such a good point too. And, and you know, uh, the one, the two things I wanted to point out that right there is that, um, We've seen we've seen this happen before with us too, and, and kind of and sometimes our client, our prospects will get a little upset with us, kind of saying, "Well, why do you want to work with us?" I, I think everyone out there that's listening to my voice and looking at my face should understand that not everyone's a perfect fit for everything. So if someone actually says you're not a good fit for us, they're doing you a favor. They're un- they're using their expertise to kind of triage the situation to say, "Hey, don't waste your money with us right now." Spend your money invested here so then we can come back and we can revisit this in a, in, a, in a more constructive way. Yeah. I tell clients all the time, I want to be able to sleep at night and I can't sleep at night if I'm taking your money for something you're not ready for. And so I know what we can do. I know what we're experts in. I know what we specialize in and we have results in. And so if you're not at the point where we're able to help you, we're spinning our wheels too. That doesn't help anybody. So I'm the first person to be like, look, I love you as a person. Like, let's stay connected and let me refer you to whoever else is better for this. 
Yeah. Yeah, completely. And another thing that you said that I thought was interesting too is the is the notion of internal PR because mm -hmm. I do feel that that is a really big oversight in many cases of people that are looking to um, maybe get in front of a story um, or, or, or other things. Um, do you ever have people that come to you directly for internal PR or is it something that you kind of suggest to them once you do that consultation? Just curious. It's it's rare, it is rare. We have once or twice had people who have come to us strictly just internal PR. And again, as you mentioned, getting ahead of a story that's coming out. Mm -hmm. So to say, we need to get the talking points ready. We know, you know, let's say this place is launching or uh, we have a new story that we know either needs to be killed or is going to be coming out and we need to make sure our team is ready for that. So we do a lot of media training and stuff like that. Um, but it is rare that a company knows that they need that before coming to us. So it usually is something we're bringing up to the company and saying, this is, you know, we, we want to make sure you have these pieces in place first. Okay. Yeah. Another question that we had from the audience was how can I get, um, media coverage for my company? Yeah. That's kind of like a little, little wide open question, but. It's a wide open question, but. What say you, um, Molly? What say you? What say me? No. Um, so there's a lot of ways to get media coverage for your company, right? But the really big thing, as we mentioned before, is telling your story. So no place nowadays, and media is getting so many emails. So if you send an email to a reporter at any publication, something local, something national, anywhere, a television show, a podcast, um, and you just say, I have a brand new company, I have a brand new product. They're like, great, what else? You know, what else is there? Unless it's just a mention and a roundup of new things that are opening or coming forward. So how do you get a big feature? Because that's really the question. Yes. Is you have to create what, you know, the term is the hook, the angle to your story and what makes it stand out. And sometimes you have an automatic answer for that. You know, like we work a lot in yachting and it was not my client this year, but there was a yacht that came out that looks like a swan. And that swan yacht automatically just got pressed across the board because you see a big humongous swan going across the ocean. You're, it's going to catch your eye, right? So that's the thing. On the flip side, we have a yacht client who didn't have a new project until um, well, halfway through 2020, they actually boomed because there was a big yacht boom. But in 2019, it was slower on projects there. And so we have to create those stories. Mm -hmm. So we create things, we create trends and trend pieces. And that's something I don't think people realize is you can create your own trends. Yes. So mm -hmm. for instance, you know, if you have um, a brand new, this was something we just worked on. Um, if you have a brand new restaurant that's opening up and it's a taco restaurant and you are putting brisket on your tacos, well, you can talk about a taco trend of the fact that there's more than just pork and beef and chicken going on tacos nowadays and you know reach out to this reporter and now you've got a larger piece for them to work with so i think that's something people don't realize is it's it's called news hacking but you can tag on to other yeah. stories that are taking place you can create trends uh super bowl is always a big one i know um we've got anytime there's a holiday anytime there's a big event like award shows or things like that um if you've got a food company a drink company anything they always do what's the best wine during uh the grammys or the emmys or any of those right. awards shows what yes. candy pairs best with x y and z so i yeah i think there's a lot of opportunity in that way um and the other big thing i tell everybody is if you want to get a story get to know the reporters first so read watch tv listen to the podcast really get to know what it is that they talk about and then go on to social media and connect with them 
connect with an editor, connect with the writer, connect with the producer, and don't pitch your story right away. Talk back to them about what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Comment on their posts. Talk about different. Twitter is a great place to do this. I know a lot of people underestimate Twitter. Twitter is an awesome place to get in touch with media. And just start commenting. Um, the other day, I got into a conversation with somebody about a Netflix show that they're watching. And mm -hmm. they're a producer. Um, they're WPLG, which is down here by us, our ABC affiliate. Huh? We're watching the same TV show. So we started chit-chatting. And next thing you know, I mentioned, oh, you know, I noticed you cover this. Oh, I'll send you an email. Oh, yeah, great. Send me an email. Because we've already connected, again, on that human level. So I think that's a big piece, too. Don't just sell. Um, we equate it to going to a party. You don't walk into a party and you're like, I am here. Talk to me. Yeah. You walk into a party and you talk to people and you create a conversation. That's how you get your story covered too. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Um, one of the things that uh, I was, I, we asked when we're, when we're starting with a client is kind of what, what media or what media outlets, depending if it's a local, national, depend, an international, mm. whatever, what are the main uh, news channels or magazines or newspapers are your audience reading? And we do that because then we're able to kind of understand how we can kind of form those relationships and begin those conversations on behalf of our client. So that is, a, it's a really good tip because it is something that you can do and news hacking I'm all in for. Um, when it comes to, oh, this is another common question that, um, that I've actually been asked when, um, because what will happen sometimes with me, because I don't do PR internally at the, the Go Agency, I always refer to my right. partners such as you and, um, what they will ask me is like, hey, um, I was talking, um, we were talking to this one PR firm and they said that um, we wouldn't be able to get any coverage for a few months. Is that typical? And I know the answer to that, but how do you answer that when a client is asking you, hey, when am I gonna start seeing something? Because this is so, something I think it's a, such a common question. It really is. Um, when we start with any client though, before we even sign a contract, we let them know, you've got at least 30 days minimum where you're not going to see anything because we're learning about your brand. So yes, something may pop up here and there, and that's a fluke, and that's great. But overall, we need to really dive in, learn your brand, figure out our pitches and what the media is looking for, build relationships with media we may not already have uh, because your brand may fit into different niches and things like that. So there's a lot of onboarding that goes on before we ever reach out and really start pushing a story. Um, yes. There are different cases where let's say you're having an event, let's say you have a celebrity included, there's something that there's different exceptions to every rule, right? We can get pressed in 24 hours for the right story. But um, for the most part, yes, you're looking at 30 to 60 days before you're really gonna start to see anything. And a lot of magazines, a lot of larger scale publications, even a lot of podcasts, a lot of blogs, they have calendars. So you're already, you know, right now, they're three months ahead of wherever we are at bare minimum for a print publication. And again, a lot of other outlets. So if you have a story that needs to come out, you need to be thinking and backtrack on your timelines and figure out when you need that to release. And so that's the thing we're really, really like, that's the first thing we tell clients is I need your expectations to really be tempered as far as how quickly this process goes in PR because it's not marketing and it's not paid advertising and it's not something where it's that quick turnaround. It is a visibility creator um, it is not a fast track to sales. It yes. really yeah. is. I mean, publicity overall is creating visibility and comfortability with your brand and brand loyalty, you know, comes from that and that's great, but it's not a sales tactic direct, you know, as some of the other platforms are. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a it's a part of the marketing wheel. It's like there's there's yeah. all the different cogs and all the different spokes in the wheel that make it go further. And and PR is just it's an essential piece. And I think another another point just to kind of draw out what you what you just said is you spend time learning about the client. You spend time, because you have to think about this. If you were doing this internally and you were hiring a PR expert to join your team internally, yeah. they are not going to walk into your role and go, oh, let's pitch New York Times. They're going to say, okay, let's take a look at this. Let's see where this is. What's the system? Interview yeah. people, talk to the CEO, talk to the salespeople, talk to the marketing people. There's a lot of things that happen because one of the misconceptions is that when I choose an agency, they already have like an off-the-shelf solution that they're going to customize for us and that that can fast track us. That's not mm -hmm. the case with agencies of any sort, especially not ours, um, both of ours, I'm, I'm saying, yeah. uh, because we have to understand fully what's going on. So we're not going to like push you through like a hot dog. I want gourmet sauce. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we really want to see, yeah. want to see how everything is made. So we are able to present a product that's really, really attractive to the audience. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's, it's so interesting because we'll have really impatient clients now and again, and it's kind of like, well, why do you need to spend so much time? That's two full weeks you're going to take to do this research. All right. Wow. No, no, no. Yeah. This is a benefit. This is a big benefit because I mean, we turn over our findings, right? You turn over yes. what you find. And it's like, wow, this is a great investment piece because I can utilize this in my other pieces of marketing. Yes, exactly. I and I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, I, I think a lot of places don't think about it in that in that way, you know, is that it is an investment, but it's an investment that even if, let's say, long-term, we don't end up working together, you still have all the pieces that we've now created for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm always surprised, not surprised, I shouldn't say nothing surprising anymore, right? But um, it always, as you mentioned, you know, it's a little shocking when they are surprised at how long it will take us to, and it's not that long of a time, it's 30 days or less for us to really dig in deep. Um, but how many companies really do want to see something move faster? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's it's a big education process from the get-go on that for most clients that come in to work with us. And, and usually when I'm, when I'm working with um, a client that has PR, I usually try to get them to look at social media as a piece in tandem because mm -hmm. I feel that social media can get you faster results Again, after that discovery period, they'd be like, that, that's going right. to happen. Um, but immediately the client can see, um, oh, wow, look at the, look at the yeah. visuals, look at the updates, look at the audience growth. There's things that you can do that are palpable while they are playing a short game and a long game when social media can, it can be a short game and long. And then PR can also be the same thing. Now talking about social media, um, do you have from like a PR perspective, what, what kind of uh, tips do you have for social media? So yeah, there's, it's all integrated nowadays for the most part too. So right. a lot of the tips I have on social, step number one, as I mentioned, follow the magazines, follow the TV stations, follow the blogs, follow the reporters, the producers, the editors, and then watch what they're posting about and read their stuff, comment on it, like on it, and really engage on their stuff. Um, even as you're building up your company and building up your brand, you don't even have to have a brand yet or a product out or anything to just start this stuff. And that's like, that's my first number one. I tell, I speak at a lot of colleges and I always tell them while you're in college right now, start following the reporters and build up your relationships. When you get a job out of college, you are so far ahead of anybody else at the PR firm. Mm -hmm. So that's my first thing. Um, I also think a lot of media is now covering social media campaigns. 
So if you come up with a really creative social media campaign, you can pitch that to the media. Yep. And if you're working with, you know, like influencer marketing is huge. You get a great influencer, not even a celebrity nowadays, just a really great influencer who's working with your brand that becomes a media pitch as well. So there's partnerships and ways that you can kind of um, do that. And then again, if you get a media hit, automatically put it on your social media channel. Um, <laughs> I think that's something that like a lot of people just, I, I don't know if they just don't think of it or what, you know, but, but give that piece legs and put it out on every channel and don't be afraid to post it a few times, post it. And then, you know, a few weeks later or a few months, I post it again and share that content, pull a quote out of an article where you were interviewed or, um, you know, pull a video if you can, or, you know, different content pieces that you can create out of one media hit can go a really long way. Mm -hmm. So that's another um, component to it too. But really overall, I'd say the big thing for PR is figure out where your audience is. You could do that through social media too. Do some, you know, analyzing and figure out where your audience is. Um, I think one of the biggest surprises that people get, and we see this a lot on social, your audience may not be who you think it is. Um, oh my gosh. So Reach. we have a, right? you have a <laughs> lot of clients who come to us and they're like, well, this is our company and this is, you know, this is our audience. And as we start to do social and PR and other pieces of it, and we start to really see and analyze where things are coming from, we're like, you have a completely different audience than what you think that it is, or you're missing these pieces, you know, like elderly people aren't all old and boring and maybe they do want to, you know, they read other magazines besides AARP and so, you know, um, we really, so that's a big piece of what we do is dive deep into that audience group and find the publications and the, again, the TV shows and stuff, the yeah. podcasts um, that they're, they're missing audience, they're missing opportunities are really looking at. So here's a question for you. Talking talking about the point you just mentioned, um, when a client has a misunderstanding like that in terms of their target audience, and they come to you, and they say to you, "Here's my target audience. This is we we had a firm do our research or like, <laughs> right. they say," and then you get somebody else's research. I, I mean, how many times have I done that? A million times I've gotten that. And I look at it and I'm just like, "Oh my god, this is ridiculous." Um, it's like a Microsoft Word document or something that's like terribly format. Um, and they pay like $10,000 for it. But anyway, the, um, so once you get in and you kind of dig in and you, and you do that during that discovery phase when you're learning, mm -hmm. the learning phase, um, you find out that the target audience is different. You present that to the client and the client says no. How do you respond to that as an agency owner? We've been there. Um, we prove it to them. So, you know, we have, as an example, I can use, you know, we've worked, we worked for many years, not, you know, currently they have somebody internal that they're working with, but for many years, we worked with the Boca Raton Historical Society and they were a, his, a history museum and they were like, we're in Boca Raton, we're a history museum. Our audience is ages 65 and up and it's people who are philanthropists who are into, you know, art and culture and that's who our audience is. Well, in Boca, you have a lot of people who are 65 and below who we also needed to get engaged. And so when we went to them, we started looking at all the stuff and we're like, look, on your social media pages, you have a lot of people who grew up in Boca who are seeing 
these great historical photos of what their grandparents and their parents and all of these people used to um, be a part of. And they're relating to this, the nostalgia, the emotional connection, let's, let's leverage that. And they're like, no, these younger people aren't gonna come in. They're not our audience. We don't wanna spend the money to promote to them. And then if we start to promote to a younger audience, we're gonna lose our current core people. Right. And we said, no, like there's a way to balance this. And so we actually, we launched a campaign called I Am Boca Raton. And we went, we went around and we got people of all different ages and races, ethnicity, you know, everywhere. Uh, people with blue mohawks and old ladies with, you know, walkers and stuff. And everybody held these really big signs, I am Boca Raton. And it became a hashtag and we pushed it on social. It, of course, then created a lot of media pieces. Yes. And that became the story. And they started to see how the demographic in Boca had changed over the years and how they could then use this to their advantage. Mm -hmm. And then we did a Boca in the 60s exhibit and we invited a lot of young influencers to come out and hold a 1960s themed sit-in and they dressed up as hippies and we held signs that said peace, love and history. Oh, and it wow. ended up getting tons of media coverage all throughout the local area and the county and everything. And it became a national story in a couple of syndicated sites. And it was really cool to see how that demographic, they opened their eyes to how that demographic could change. Mm -hmm. And that actually led to um, them promoting their big food and wine festival, which was their huge fundraiser. They promoted in such a different way that from when we started to them to when they went internal and now they're doing an interactive social media museum. It's, I mean, they really are going yeah. to the millennial demographic now. Um, but they, they saw in front of their eyes how that when they opened up their perspective on who could they reach how it changed everything completely. And it was it was like a magical moment. You know, I love to yeah. see that. And we really did open up a really broad range of people who now visit the museum, became members or really engaged in it. Yeah. And so I think that's a really big thing. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times you have to show and not just tell them, but show them that their audience is different. Um, but I think it's an important component because I really do think sometimes you're just too close to your company and you're not seeing those opportunities. Completely agree with you, and I think the the biggest piece of advice to come out of this is um, you just have to be willing to take the advice of the strategic partners that you yeah. engage with. Um, <laughs> there's been many times that we've done our research, and it's kind of like, okay, I, let's look at your target audience. It's completely different um, from everything that I'm looking at in terms of even your sales are completely different. But you're going for this. Why, why do you think it's this? And, it, and it's kind of like, no, no, it is, it's this. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> let me show you something. Um, but yeah. something else that you mentioned um, that I wanted to give a tip to um, the audience, there's a great tool called TweetTech. I'm sure that people have heard, have heard of it out there. If you want to start um, uh, compiling all of the editors and the publishers and the, and the publications that are in your local or whatever you're trying to target in terms of media. It's wonderful to get those people into Twitter lists and feed them directly into TweetDeck. That's a great way to like and engage with their content in a way that's meaningful and also not super time consuming because yeah. a lot of people are thinking like, oh God, so my new, my new full-time job is to figure out what this jerk over here is writing in his column and how to engage with them. But if you have all of that information in um, a program like that, it's really easy for you to kind of do like, hey, I'll just jump in for 10 minutes and yeah. kind of engage with some people and then hop out. And what Emily was saying was absolutely true. You can begin conversations and you and if you're hitting people in a conversational way with what they're talking about, they're going to want to talk back to you and then you'll be shocked. And then your access <laughs> level is much different and then things yeah. change for you. And it's, it kind of loosens it up, I think, a lot. 
It really does. It's it's the it's the high school concept. That's how we teach it when we do trainings and such, you know, which is basically everybody wants to talk to the popular person in high school, but the popular person in high school didn't just become popular, right? You walk in in ninth grade and you work your way up to being the popular senior. And how do you do that? It's the same thing in social media, PR, or anything like that. And again, it goes hand in hand because it used to be you'd pick up a phone call and call a reporter and take them out for a coffee or um, go desk side and go visit a bunch of editors and go chit chat. You can't do that anymore. So it really is all done through email and social media nowadays. Um, I rarely pick up a phone and that's crazy to say because I would not have said that even a year ago, but um, post pandemic, it's like everything is either Zoom or email or I, I mean, I do a lot on Instagram DM just with reporters where I'm like, hey, just saw you post this. I have a story about this. Let me send you an email. They're like, yeah, great. Shoot me an email. I send it. I'm like sent. And then they cover the story. But again, years of building up relationships with these same reporters through social media and such. So so talking about social media, um, what social media channels do you suggest? And if you're if you really want to amplify your PR efforts. All right. So this is a, a mixed bag of a question here, right? If you're looking to connect with reporters and just like converse with them and really get to know reporters, I know it sounds cumbersome, but I always, as you mentioned, tweet deck. And we tell our team, like our team puts everybody into lists. And then every single morning for about 20 minutes, you go down to your list and we do five people a day. So you comment on five posts and then leave the, leave the platform. Right. And the next day, go to the next five and comment on those five people. The next day, the next five. By the end of like a month, you've kind of rotated through how, you know, or a few months, depending on how many people you have on each list. Yep. You rotate through your list and now you're back at the bottom. You just do those five people again. They think you're consistently connected with them and talking on stuff. And it doesn't take that much time. Yep. So <laughs> we do we do a lot of that. Um, but yeah. All right. So Twitter's really great for connecting with reporters or again, editors, producers, whomever it might be that you're reaching out to. Um, that's a really great conversational spot. Instagram has become a really great place to just comment on people's posts and you can have an easier access into their direct messages there as well. Facebook, not as much. Um, we do find a lot, we find often where we can show our expertise on Facebook, that helps the most. So Facebook groups have been really helpful, joining a lot of different Facebook groups. We um, we joined a lot of media-related groups. We also joined a lot of entrepreneur groups. We joined a lot of, um, for our clients, just different niche groups, because you'll find like, for instance, um, we have a lot of restaurant clients. And of course, there's a lot of reporters in our South Florida foodie groups. So if we have a new restaurant that's opening, those are the people we wanna be connected with. They're already part of that Facebook group. We're now just chit-chatting with them and giving them, you know, when they say, oh, who knows of a great Italian restaurant in Coral Springs, that's where I live. I know a place, you know, and you can just comment on stuff. So um, Facebook groups on that end. And then if you want to get creative and you want to actually like not necessarily connect with a reporter, but think about how you can use a social media platform to build a campaign. Um, Again, TikTok is getting huge media coverage these days. So if you can come up with something creative on TikTok or something like that, YouTube is a great space and it's a huge search engine. So that's always, and reporters go onto YouTube looking for stories and videos and content to use. So you want to be there. Um, I can go on and on. I mean, every platform has its merit, but I think um, those are pretty much core. LinkedIn is a great spot, but I will tell you that 
we're finding LinkedIn is getting a little more difficult to connect directly because there's a lot more of that in-mail spam that's happening from LinkedIn yeah. advertising. Mm -hmm. So our stuff tends, if you don't already have a relationship, it's looking a little more spam on LinkedIn than other platforms like Instagram and stuff like that. So we're using it less than we used to to connect with reporters. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, it's a question that I'm asked all the time is, okay, I wanna get involved with Facebook groups, but you have to join Facebook groups as an individual. Are you gonna yeah. be connecting with these groups on my behalf through my profile or how do you explain, how do you kind of make someone feel comfortable with Facebook groups? So if somebody is coming to us um, and they, so that's, that's an interesting question actually. We do it a, a couple of different ways. Okay. Sometimes we already have the existing relationships in the groups that they already need. So a lot of times just on their behalf, we're still in the groups as myself, Emily or Sam or Ryan or whoever else at Mugsy. And we're just speaking to reporters and such. And now we're pitching their stuff along with whatever else we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes, you know, we have a landscaping client who came to us. And while we do a lot in interior design, we don't do a lot with sod and grass. So yeah. we needed to join some landscaping groups and such. So we did it under his name on mm -hmm. his account. And that was saying, again, you have non-disclosure agreements and certain paperwork, but it is, I will say, very rare that you have a client who wants you to necessarily access, let's say, their personal Facebook page because they do tend to use that more for their friends and their family and their personal stuff, mm -hmm. as opposed to the other networks where it's not quite as personal. So sometimes we consult instead and we'll say, here's our suggestions of what you should be posting in these groups. We'll do some research within the groups and we'll join the groups as well as ourselves. And then we'll say, hey, we saw this post. You should comment on this today mm -hmm. with this statement that we're going to send you and just copy and paste it onto this post and we'll link them to it. And that way we're not accessing their page, but they're able to comment as themselves and we guide that message for them. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. Because I think the yeah. Facebook groups are a, a great way of um, utilizing the um, just the platform in a, in a, in a more proactive way because um, Facebook can be, if you're, if you're a company, can be a little bit more reactive in a way or, um, <laughs> or advertising based. So yeah. it's nice to be able to utilize those groups. Okay. So another, um, uh, another question that um, I have is the name Muggsy PR. Okay. I digress. So where, where, where did Muggsy PR, I mean, I've known and worked with you for a while and I never asked you that question. That's funny. So we act, that's a question that we get probably more than any other question at all. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Funny. Everybody asks about that, but it, it was my childhood nickname. Um, okay. it was what my, yeah, it's what my dad called me when I was a baby for two reasons. One, he used to be really into all the old gangster movies and there was yeah. that Bugs Bunny cartoon and there was Muggsy in the Bugs Bunny cartoon and he was a little gangster guy. So that was my, you know, my dad was way into all that stuff. And then I used to mug for the camera when I was a kid. So every time they would put a camera up, there was my, you know, baby Emily all smiling and stuff for the camera. <laughs> so my nickname became Muggsy. And when I started the firm, I thought, well, PR, you're always going to be in front of cameras or, you know, they, so Muggsy just kind of became that natural fit there. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah. And um, I kind of love it because everywhere we go, people are like, oh, it's the Muggsy, it's Muggsy, the Muggsy team. And I'm like, oh, my dad passed away like a year and a half ago. So it's just nice to still kind of have that around. Yeah. Keeping everything alive. Yeah. So in your firm, um, what do you feel is your, is your kind of like your specialty area or what sets your approach uh, apart because everyone has a different different way of um, running their agency and looking at their clients and just I'm interested in what your POV is. Sure um, 
so I'd say our specialty really is in lifestyle PR, entertainment PR. We do a lot in that realm and we have since the very beginning. My background itself is in yachting and marine and luxury lifestyle and such. So um, that's kind of our specialty on that end as far as industries. But what we do best, I would say, is our creativity above all else. And that is to say, you know, we go far beyond the press release. Yes, we'll write a press release. Yes, we'll send that out. But we're more likely to invent a story, invent an award, invent, um, you know, come up with a publicity stunt that we can do that will garner that coverage. So, you know, we, and not to go back to yachting again, but one of my favorite stories we've ever done was for our yacht client um, in a year when he didn't have a lot of press and or a lot of projects, I should say. And so we created a holiday gift. And we said, let's just throw together a yacht and a yacht interior and a private jet and the private jet interior and all of the things you would need to go on a long-term expedition with both of these. And we packaged it together into a $500 million package. And we promoted that story. And it got covered as one of the top most expensive gifts of that year in almost, I mean, everything. Oh, that's it was in Forbes, it was in you know everything. And now it keeps getting syndicated year after year as one of the oh. most expensive gift packages of all time for these publications. Oh, wow. So it has had like this weirdly evergreen, like long lasting story uh, from just this neat little piece that we created. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we do best. Um, we're never ones to just say like, you know, I, I think reporters would be shocked if we called them and said, we have a client and they have no story behind it and I don't have anything interesting to tell you, but they just opened and you need, they would be like, who kidnapped you and what are you doing? We're more likely to call them and say, we want to put you, and this is our big thing, the brand experience. We want you to experience this brand. We yes. want to target all your senses with this. We are going to send you a package that includes all of these different items. And then we're going to invite you to nowadays like the Zoom or, you know, a hybrid event where ever since 2020 people who want to come in person can come in person everyone else can do it on zoom it's all hybrid now um but yeah come and experience it or let us send it to you so you can experience it um we worked with sprint and an amazing firm called on the advertising and it was a don't text and drive campaign but instead of just saying don't text and drive or doing some psa videos we made they made an emoji huge huge sculpture of an emoji out of crashed car pieces from a car that was crashed from somebody who was texting and put it on the side of the road in a very busy street in downtown Fort Lauderdale and Las Olas and people could take photos with it and such and it became a don't text and drive campaign and everyone who posted the photo of it um they then donated money towards text and driving awareness oh, and such wonderful. and yeah it was an amazing campaign and again national coverage on that because it was something different had we have just sent the press release I don't think it would have that same effect so that's what we do best. We come up with those crazy ideas that clients go, okay, you sure about this? We're like, yeah, we're sure. Let us just go wild and see what we can do. And they trust us and we come up with cool stuff. No, I, I, I love that about, uh, about your firm. And, and I think another thing too is uh, was, uh, you said something in there that kind of, it, it just, I always hear this with clients when I start talking about telling their story, they start cringing or they start getting they start they either start cringing because they're uncomfortable mm -hmm. with you creating a narrative for them or they don't understand necessarily what it is um so how do you kind of make a client feel comfortable with a story being told or with the concept of storytelling so 
Or from agency, agency owner to owner. Yeah, you know I mean? like, like, kind of like, how do you do that? So I, I think it really does, like when clients come to work with us, from the get-go, we're like, we're crazy here and you should know that. Like this is, <laughs> this is not something where like, we want you to be comfortable and we want, and that's an, I think that's a huge component of it too, though. We don't work with any clients that we don't immediately sort of feel that rapport with, that they don't feel it with us. So if we feel that it's combative in the get-go, if we feel that like, even if there's just something even minorly just off in that first meeting, we don't work with that client because we're very, we have to live and breathe for these clients. And it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that goes into this when you're promoting something. So I may love the product, I may love the service, but if I don't love the human behind it, so that's that's number one. Absolutely. So when they sign that contract, there's already a bit of trust, right? Like we know, like, all right, we get along. This is like a cohesive unit here. Um, and then I think they, we really stress to them, like we, if we do something that hurts your brand or we do something that's off brand or we create the wrong story for you, that not only hurts you, but that hurts us. That hurts our reputation of 20 years. That hurts um, any results we're gonna get. And now we have to go back to these reporters that are you know, long-term relationships oh. and say, oops, we messed up. So I think there's a level of trust there where they know um, we've done this for so long that we, you know, we, do, we show results. We have previous clients they can speak to and case studies and all that good stuff. And then I think the final piece is we try to start them off small. We try to start them off small and say, you know, maybe it is whether it's switching a demographic or creating a story for them. Let us show you on a small level what we can do. Maybe that's a social media post or something smaller here or there. Um, it is maybe a small local story that we can push out just to show them. Like this is what we can do when you open your mind to these other ways of doing things that you haven't been doing before. Um, yeah, and we do we do a lot of what we call creative consulting. So like our clients, again, they think we're nuts, but we'll sit there and we're like, all right, if you were going to explain your brand to my grandmother, how would you do it? And now explain it to my cat. And now explain it to my nine-year-old. <laughs> and like, tell me all these different things. We sit with them. We talk so much to our clients. Again, that's why we have to really, like, we're not the set it and forget it kind of PR firm where you're not yeah. going to yeah. hear from us. We talk a lot. We're really engaged because we find too, most of the times they have more stories than they realize. We're not even making them up. They yep. just don't realize that they have a story. So the more that we talk to them, we're like, hi, you're missing this piece of it. And I think once you show them that and that they've already created pieces that like they didn't even realize they have, they just kind of let you go crazy with it and then start coming up with the really unique pieces. Yeah, and I think I have to say that when you get to that point with a client where you uncover a story that they've already created and you show it how important it is to them, that feeling that they get is just yeah. like I it's just palpable. I love that. It like is. that aha moment, like, oh wow, this is gonna be so much fun. And it's kind of like, yay, yep. let's, let's start the let's start the ride. And um, I think you just hit the nail on the head though. You have to make it fun for them again. Like they're stressed out as can be. And these clients come to us and the half the time they're like, either I just started this or I've been doing this forever. We've hit a plateau. We're not making these sales. We don't know what to do anymore. Or we just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I equate it to like when I go to like a doctor or something and you're like, there's something wrong with me and I don't know what it is, fix it. And so you put your level of trust in that doctor. Your clients are putting the level of trust in you or I and and I think when you can make that fun for them and you can get them smiling again about their brand and not feel that level of stress, but really feel like, okay, I can do this. And this is off my shoulders and they're going to take care of this. And I feel comfortable with them. Then I think the door is open and you can pretty much do anything and, 
and they they let you have some fun with it. Yeah, and I think it's it's you know when I'm talking to a client, a prospective client, uh, the ones that we we work with are the ones that don't come to us saying, okay, um, I need uh, I need to go viral on Instagram. I need to get um, uh, 16 million followers on TikTok within two weeks, and I have to get 45 leads a week on LinkedIn. So how are you going to do that? I'm going to do that by referring you to another company that I don't really like, but you can work with because I don't want to deal with you. Yep. Or a client that comes and says. Okay, so who have you worked with? Impress me. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, because what every and the reason why, folks, why that approach doesn't work with individuals like me and Emily is that we get really deep emotionally in with our clients. So when we start off a relationship where you're already trying to put us under your thumb and an exertion of power, yeah. it doesn't feel like a collaboration anymore. It feels that you are going to be dictating the angle, and once you do that your campaign with us will not work because you're basically hiring an expensive internal employee to do exactly what you have not been able to do for the last however amount of time. So not to give you, (laughs) not to read you guys out there and like, but uh, just let them know, if you're coming to us, be open to ideas because we are creative firms. Social media does have metrics. PR has metrics. There's KPIs. There's things that we're looking at, but What's my ROI for Facebook? I, and I just said, you're, I, I just said, n- just found out what your website was. I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to be able to tell you without diving a little deeper. But no, it's funny. I, Emily, I've really enjoyed um, speaking with you today. And thanks for all of the wonderful PR um, insights that you shared. Uh, so 